Here at Ninja Towers, we love working with boring businesses. And controversially, we think that marketing boring businesses is really exciting. It's one of our favorite things to do. We've got loads of self-proclaimed boring clients and have had loads over the years, both B2B and B2C. We've seen success with them with content marketing, SEO, pay-per-click across Google, across social media conversion rate optimization and email. So if you're a boring business that applies awesome marketing in your industry, it's like showing up to play the long eaten under fives with Ronaldo and Messi on your team. It's a decimation because most boring businesses competitors don't really push themselves out. They don't try to differentiate themselves. So that's why it can be a real competitive advantage. In today's episode, we're going to talk you through an action plan to market yourself if you consider to be a boring business or an interesting business, but in a boring industry. Let's go. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Okay, so what's the key to marketing a boring business successfully? We've won tons of awards for our boring business marketing, and yet awards tend to be won for creative campaigns. So how can you do creative stuff if you have a boring company to work for? Let's say that you're marketing something like HDMI cables, right? It doesn't get more boring than that. Well, in today's episode, we're going to give you some suggestions on how exactly you can do this. All boring business marketing, though, starts with finding and communicating your point of differentiation. Differentiation is the foundation of getting more qualified traffic to your website and converting more of that traffic into leads and sales. The first thing you need to do is understand what is great about your business and why customers choose you over your competitors. I know we talk a lot about this on the Exposure Ninja podcast and our videos over on YouTube, but it is so important. It's so much easier to market a business that understands its point of difference than one that doesn't and that is trying to compete basically on the same messages as everyone else. If you understand your point of difference, though, you'll be able to lean into that, whether it's through your copy and your website, whether it's through your emails, social posts, your ad copy, whatever it is, emphasizing something that customers really care about is a great way of building resonance for them. It also allows you to lean into and get more traffic from the places that your customers spend their time in ways that resonate with them. For example, let's say that your audience visits a specific trade news site every day. Well, then that's where you might be wanting to get featured, but you're going to have to get featured talking about your point of difference or emphasizing what makes you different. I'm going to give you an example of a story from years and years ago here. Uh, we were working with a company that sold warehouse racking safety inspections. Okay. <laughs> Now tell me, that's not boring. <laughs> so what we did is we said, right, okay, we're not going to sort of outcompete on the boringness in this industry. But for people who have warehouses, who need to think about warehouse racking safety, they're not necessarily like jumping out of bed in the morning thinking, great, let's, I really want to go and hunt out some information about warehouse racking safety. So what instead we decided to do was to find the publications that we knew these potential customers were reading. For example, there's a, a website, I think it's UK only, it might be European, uh, called The Manufacturer. I think it's themanufacturer.com. And this site uh, publishes all sorts of information for people in manufacturing. A lot of people in this space who read these sorts of publications, they need warehouse racking and it needs to be safe. So they're a potential client for our client. 
So what we decided to do is that there was a new Star Wars movie coming out and we decided to piggyback on the hype that was surrounding this Star Wars movie by putting together this sort of slightly tongue-in-cheek guide. In fact, it was very heavily tongue-in-cheek guide to the most dangerous fictional workspaces. And we mentioned the Star Wars thing. We mentioned something from Game of Thrones. We mentioned the, uh, the power plant and the Simpsons. All of these, we had a bit of fun with it. We sort of reviewed all of these workplaces from the perspective of a workplace health and safety officer so it's a way of uh sort of you know a bit of an in joke with our target audience here and of course it was all branded for this client the warehouse racking safety firm um and their personality kind of came through the whole thing so it's a great way of getting on the radar of people with something that was quirky and interesting and these industry news publications picked it up because guess what there's only so many stories they want to publish every day about the latest warehouse racking safety inspection rules so they were desperate for something interesting like this so even if you're in a space like that you can find something you can find a publication you can find an angle to get into these publications which can really resonate with your audience so whether you're selling plastic carps or offering like commercial waste removal anything that's not particularly sexy most of your competitors won't be trying to stand out like this they will have either given up differentiating themselves or they won't be even considering differentiating themselves they'll just be pumping out press release after press release that nobody cares about standing out by the way doesn't necessarily just mean using like wacky images on your homepage. you know crazy things that trying to be all arty and all that type of stuff it can be it really as simple as offering the best guarantee in your industry or showcasing that you've got the best reviews in your industry or explaining that your widgets are built with the hardest steel it's just about finding something that you can latch onto which resonates with your customers and actually is important to your customers you can use this everywhere once you have it like i said before now if it's hard to see what makes you unique when you're so close to your business that's fair enough a lot of people struggle with this they spend all day in their business particularly if they're you know company leadership can often really struggle because they're maybe not close enough to their products and services. They are more dealing with the sort of company operations and they can struggle to understand what differentiates them versus their competitors. One of the best ways that we've found to find these sorts of things is actually just to talk to the customers and say, what differences do you perceive with us? Because sometimes the DNA of a business isn't that obvious to the business itself but it's incredibly obvious to the outside world um we i'm reminded of a company that we worked with a few years ago and they sold shelving and they had a bunch of usps that they thought were important to people including the fact that their products are manufactured in the uk um, and in, in a particular region in the uk well we did customer research with them and found that actually customers didn't really care about that at all what they really cared about was the fact that they had these bespoke sizes of shelves so you could get your shelves uh sized bespoke and that was really the main selling point they didn't really care too much about the other stuff so of course that meant that we could just focus on the message that resonated with people and we could go against competitors that didn't have such a, an unlimited range of bespoke options and we could really push on that we could like dig our fingers into that nerve and make sure that the industry that the the customer group in that space recognized us as the bespoke option so the next thing that you want to do is do some competitor research to identify how competitors are standing out and how they're presenting their usps let's talk about hdmi cables because nothing is uh really too much more boring than that they're fairly standardized fairly commoditized in most spaces so if you have a look at competitor research for hdmi cables most people are saying things like they are uh you know they are uh, hd so you get super high resolution they're hard wearing they're made of good quality material they've got good connections all that type of stuff and it's all pretty sort of generic now what we do in a situation like this is we try and step into the customer's shoes would they understand 
that these features are differentiators or do they just consider them sort of the price of entry? Is there any other way of framing these benefits in a way that actually makes you stand out? Because everyone says they're HD, everyone says they're durable, everyone says all this stuff. So we'd either look at finding one of those benefits and quantifying it somehow. So if you're saying you're super HD or you're super high quality or super lossless, I actually think it matters with HDMI because it's digital anyway, from what I gather. But let's say that you were pursuing that angle, you might want to test your cable against, you know, five of the other best selling ones and see which had the least signal loss. And can you give, a, you know, a certified purity rating to your cable and say, you know what, we are there, you know, there's absolutely no loss with our cables or, you know, whatever the thing might be. Or the other thing that you could do is take a completely sideways angle and say, you know, we're the cat proof HDMI cables, or we use a recycled braid, you know, our cables are completely made from recycled material where possible, you know, whatever it is, we've got to find something that is different to the sort of general consensus of what your competitors are talking about. We also say don't be afraid to jump on trends from outside of your industry. This can be a great way of standing out if your competitors sorry, haven't reacted to what else is going on in your space. There's an example of a client that we've uh, worked with uh, for a long time. They're a, uh, a company that sells food packaging called takeaway packaging. And they had a blog post on their website about how to serve bubble tea because they sell packaging to you know food establishments. And some of these food establishments sell bubble tea. Well, we identified that bubble tea was sort of starting to trend in the UK and lots of uh, restaurants and cafes and takeaways were starting to sell bubble tea. So what we did is we optimized this blog post, we made it more up to date, we, we sort of refreshed it so that it would get ranking for all of these bubble tea phrases which were starting to pop off that people were searching for. That meant when those people were searching for, you know, how to serve bubble tea or uh, questions about how to add bubble tea to their uh, their services or even to just start a bubble tea cafe or start a bubble tea stand, our blog post was ranking and this was a great way of positioning this brand in front of people who were perfect target customers. If you're just about to start a takeaway stand, then you are a perfect customer for, for this client. So we identified that there was this sort of trend going on in the industry and jumped ahead of it. I'm reminded of another client that we worked with um, in the US who we noticed that there was one particular product type that was going through a sort of regulatory process, but was about to enter the market. And we knew that it was going to be big, or we had a feeling that it was going to be big. So what we decided to do was produce loads of content on their website, targeting the keywords that this brand was presumably going to be ranking for. We built these pages long before the product was even available. So as soon as that product was released, guess where the customers ended up? Well, they ended up on our client's site because we'd had these pages built for months. We'd been building links to them. We'd been getting them visibility so that as soon as the, sort of the, the masses descended on this keyword, everyone else, all of their competitors were starting from scratch. We were already six months in with a huge amount of content behind it. So you can be looking out for these sorts of trends and trying to look further down the line and say what's coming? How can we position ourselves there? Okay, the next thing to think about is thought leadership and education. So all of the content stuff that we do, uh, the knowledge base info, you know, we have to understand that your buyers may or may not buy from you a lot. Search volumes will be low for your core target keywords if you are a boring business a lot of the time. Now, not all of the time, you know, if you're selling HDMI cables, obviously search volumes are high. But if you're selling, let's say that you're a um, you're an OAM for laptop screens, right? Or let's say that you're selling you know, uh, I don't know, something super boring, but super sort of really important. Like, let's say that you're selling the rubber for car tires. So you're selling to car tire manufacturers, right? There's going to be really low search volume for a phrase like that. But each searcher might be worth 
hundreds, millions, tens of millions. There are searches out there that are worth billions of dollars if you can get ranked for it. Now, if you stick that keyword into SEMrush, it's going to say pointless, right? Zero search. There's no cost per click for this at all. And a lot of competitors would say it's pointless even ranking for that stuff because the number of manufacturers or whatever are already known. But there's going to be a portion of people that are going on to Google. There might be a few people per year for some searches. But guess what? If that's your target audience, and if the value of that audience is high enough, it's still worth ranking for them. So don't necessarily give up on low search keywords. If you're a boring business, that might be your entire space. It's targeting a bunch of really sort of niche keywords. Another thing that boring businesses need to do uh, for their marketing is really focus on education and not assuming that their audience holds a huge amount of prior knowledge. Going back to the packaging company, we've got a blog post which was written for them about how to pack fragile items for shipping. Now, people who are searching for that are likely going to be, they might be consumers who are looking to pack one particular fragile item for shipping, or we identified that there are actually quite a lot of businesses in the early stages of business where they were starting to send out products. It was getting broken and customers were complaining. So this group of potential customers were starting to research online to make more robust sort of packaging processes in their business, right? So tiny search volume for this type of stuff. But the people searching for those phrases were maybe a small business that's just started and doesn't really have its packaging nailed down. So we made this blog post, we gave some DIY options like, hey, you want to use bubble wrap or whatever. But then we also seeded some of our clients products like um, custom packaging. So we mentioned custom packaging as one route here. So that if people needed that option, they could come to our client for it. And you know, that it would click through and you know, we'd have a CTA for all that type of stuff as well. So by targeting that sort of stuff, we can give the DIY information. And if people want to use that great, they can just use that free. But if they are a potential customer, we can give them options, which might be more relevant for them knowing that we're going to get that business. One massive mistake that a lot of quote unquote, boring companies use. And by the way, I'm using this phrase, this is often a sort of self declaration. I remember going to a trade show a little while ago. And I I said, like, put your hand up if you're a boring business. It's like 100% people, like, hands in the air. We're boring businesses. Great. So I'm not using this as like an insulting term. A lot of boring businesses would self-identify. I think Exposure Ninja, fundamentally, we are selling something that is fairly boring to a lot of people. Doesn't mean you need to be boring, but, you know, there we go. Anyway, if you're offended, then you're probably, you haven't lasted this long. Anyway, but one mistake that a lot of boring businesses make is they focus purely on the features of what they're doing. They think that this is a technical sale, but the key to a lot of these types of sales, even if you're selling to a reasonably well-educated customer, is not just offering a list of specifications, it's actually selling the benefits. The oldest marketing lesson in the book. Now, for example, mattresses. Mattresses, the direct-to-consumer mattress world is not that boring because now we've got companies that are doing crazy marketing, they're being all creative, you know, they're doing ads on Facebook and Instagram and lots of people are thinking of mattresses in a cool way. It's easy to forget that 10 years ago, mattresses were definitely definitely a boring purchase. But companies like Simba have come out um, with a sort of new, more savvy approach to marketing versus the old guard. And Simba has a great example on their homepage where they've got a five sentence phrase, which is sleep longer, deeper and cooler. Okay, bam, you've just sold the benefit there. Then they go on 
with some of the more technical information on up to 10 layers of patented sleep tech. But even then, they're calling it patented sleep tech rather than getting into the nitty gritty details at this early stage, knowing that most customers for them won't actually really care about the patented sleep tech. They just want to know, is my mattress high tech? Is it the best it can be? Yeah, patented sleep tech sounds pretty good. Great. So the benefits drew me in. The more technical side backs up those benefits. Let's contrast this with Silent Night, who I'd say probably don't do as good a job of marketing to the consumers. They describe their just breathe mattress like this, rolled for convenience and easy to get up staircases. Now, to be fair, those are benefits. 1000 zoned springs provide enhanced spinal alignment are extra breathable and cooling hybrid mattress. Now, the trouble with that is 1000 zone springs, like what is a zone spring and is a thousand good or not? No idea at all. It feels like they're using technical terms to show that they're knowledgeable, whereas Simba explained exactly the same thing in five words and made it much easier to understand. And if you compare Simba versus Silent Light Search Funding, you'll see Simba has, you know, completely upended that market. Profitability? No idea. That's probably another story altogether. But the point is, they've managed to get a new generation of customers thinking about mattresses and just completely bypassing the old guard and going straight to these new firms by talking benefits first in a boring industry or in a previously boring industry. Okay, let's talk about content and getting links. If you are putting out the best content in your industry, I know you you're going to be a thought leader on you. you're going to be posting the absolute best stuff you're going to be thinking about exactly what your target audience is after you're going to be making those bubble tea blogs you're going to be talking about the you know the benefits of what people are after then that's the sort of content that publications are much more likely to link back to remember our uh, most dangerous fictional workplaces this got loads of links because that's the sorts of stuff that these publications were interested in talking about it was slightly fun it was having a laugh in a space that's fairly boring but it also picked up up some general interest uh, publications as well. This got some mainstream press, which huge value, a huge uh, domain authority in these links, which are coming in, which really helps our clients ranking. We absolutely dominated for every search term that we targeted. Fantastic. And it's because the quality of the content was really high and it was laser targeted to the target audience. And then of course, we do some outreach to these publications to make sure that we're picking up the links as well. All right, next, we're going to talk about mailing lists. Mailing lists for boring businesses are a bit of a and let's say diplomatically an underused asset, right? A lot of the time, a mailing list for, a, let's say, a B2B company or a manufacturing business, the mailing list is really sort of a dumping ground for the press releases and the stuff that, you know, might be interesting to someone in the company, but definitely isn't of any interest to the potential customers. There is a better way. And it's not just ignoring your mailing list, which is the other alternative <laughs> approach taken by many. Um, I'm going to give you an example of a, another client here. So we've, uh, we've got a client called Tool Store Canada. You'll be amazed to know that they are a tool store in Canada. So not the most sexy, glamorous business. They are not sort of uh, entering can lions or wands or anything like this. But what happened here is we were um, we did a new strategy for them after they'd been at Exposure Ninja for a while. And then we actually found out that carpentry was really popular with the readers of their email. One of their newsletters did really well when we talked about carpentry. And uh, we noticed also that their clearance section was really popular too. So what we did is dug down a little bit deeper, we wanted to figure out why these particular emails had been doing so well. Obviously, one is deals and savings with the clearance emails. So we made sure we put some some fear of missing out some FOMO in these we mentioned things like last chance, we gave them, uh, you know, deadlines and stuff like that to increase the performance of those. And then we added more of those emails to their email list. The other side of things though, looking at the carpentry stuff, 
we noticed that there was a lot of interest in their mailing list or in their customer, um, their, you know, their target audience about carpentry or woodworking. Now they had a lot of expertise on this and they also had a lot of passion and knowledge inside the company. So what we decided to do is make a woodworking newsletter of the month. I know it sounds absolutely thrilling, but for people who are interested in woodworking and carpentry, guess what? It actually is really, really interesting. And it allowed us to demonstrate the expertise from the business. It allowed us to offer that segment of the audience, something which was very tailored for them. And of course, it allowed us to sell the tools which were, you know, designed for woodworking, which were in the woodworking category. And this is fantastic. These emails performed super, super well. And it's because we took the time to evaluate what had been going on, what had been happening and the results that we've been getting back and use that to double down on the stuff that had been working well. All right, let's talk about driving traffic from all different parts of the customer journey. Remember, if you're selling something, particularly if you're selling something high ticket, or, um, or if you're selling something that has a long buying cycle, you might not get the conversion from your website immediately, you might need to keep someone warm over a long period of time by signing them up for your mailing list, for example. But in order to get that email address in the first place, you're going to need to get in front of them when they start their research or when they're at what we'd call the top of the funnel, right? So top of the funnel, they're just, you know, they're aware that there might be a problem or that they might have something that needs fixing. And that is a great stage to target people to get them on your email list or, you know, get them on your website so that you can pixel them and run retargeting ads to them. Let me give you a, a, an example of a client um, in this space. So we've got a client that works in the, like accountancy and business consultancy, they help companies get set up like company formations, right? So when you've got a new idea for a business, you go to one of these companies, they help you get all set up with the right documentation and all the legal stuff and all that type of stuff. Now we'd seen a lot of success with them with this top of funnel content. So this was for people uh, who were thinking about starting different business types. Because if you're thinking about starting a business type, at some point, you're going to start that business. And when you start that business, you might need company formation service. So we made lots of content about, you know, how to start an Amazon business, how to start a business as a non UK resident, all that type of stuff. And we also noticed that we could take some of their slightly older, higher performing content and boost it. So update that content format to turn it into a more detailed step by step guide, adding an FAQ that we could maybe get some coverage and featured snippets or on the in the also asked box on the Google search results. And we could expand on a lot of the original points. This gave us a massive increase uh, year on year for one blog a 52% increase for one blog about how to start a limited company, or what is a limited company, and a 300% traffic increase for a blog about how to start an Etsy business. Huge increases in volume because we're focusing on this top of funnel content. And if they don't have it already, then we'll create it. If they do have it, then we'll refine it, optimize it, bulk it out, add the FAQs, make it much more detailed and much more useful step by step. Uh, okay, I'm going to give you another example now of a business where that strategy worked um, pretty well. And that is a company that sells um, AI chatbots for particular industries, AI. Wow. When you split the word, when you split the letters out like that, I sound like my parents talking about it. It's like some new technology that I've never spoken about. AI chatbots. Anyway, so they sell AI chatbots uh, for particular industries. So this is incredibly niche, incredibly niche. And in fact, it is so niche that the search volumes for a lot of the phrases that we're targeting are, you know, when you go into SEMrush, they'll say, you know, there's fewer than 10 searches for this or fewer than 100 searches per month. But we're totally okay with that because we know that those searches 
however few they might be, are from really good potential customers. Another thing that we did though, and this is sort of focusing on the niche side of things and targeting very specific audiences. So right at the start of their journey, I think before they even had a product, before they'd even, you know, rolled their product out, they were going to be speaking at an event which was going to be attended by one particular niche uh, that they were targeting, I think in this case, charities. So they were building these AI chatbots for charities, and they're going to be speaking at this event. And um, they didn't have a product to share. So they couldn't get signups which was really problematic because it makes the whole event feel like a total waste of time. So what we did is we worked with them on producing an ebook designed specifically for charities on how to improve their processes using these AI chatbots that they were doing. They got fantastic take up with this and they got some really good quality leads from that event because this ebook was so laser targeted. Now what a lot of boring companies or B2Bs or, you know, software companies in this situation would have done is they would have rocked up to that event with a generic brochure, right? They would have walked up, they would have rocked up to the event with a generic brochure and a bunch of business cards and just pressed them into people's hands and hoped that those people would see the relevance, they would see the match between their situation and uh, this product and sort of made the link themselves and decided, right, this is something that we need to invest in. We knew that that wasn't going to work. We knew that if we could resonate with that target customer group by designing something that was specifically targeted for charities who were thinking about, you know, how they'd increase their communication with their customers, we knew that we could make something that was really highly targeted, be much more valued by this audience, and therefore we generate a lot more leads. And of course, we did. Okay, the final tip I've got for you for B2B or sorry, not B2B, boring business marketing, not necessarily B2B, could be B2C, could be B2E, um, is handling objections, right? And handling objections, I don't mean in the sales process, I mean in the marketing process, so on your website. Um, we've got another client who I'm sure wouldn't, uh, wouldn't challenge the the uh, the boring tag. Um, they are Chas, they are an accreditation company, fantastic business, absolutely love the business, a great group of people as well, fantastic products. Um, like all of these, like all of these businesses, right, they might look boring to outsiders, but actually, we think that they are, they are beautiful. And they are beautiful, because they allow us to do things like this. So they have a, a sort of industry accreditation that people can sign up for. And it helps them to, you know, people need this accreditation, or their, their customer group of contractors need this accreditation, if they're going to bid on certain types of jobs and things like that. So we wanted to handle the objections that their target customer group might have from signing up for Chas accreditation. And to their credit, they really sort of embraced this, they were very honest with themselves. And they said, you know what, one of the objections that we have is that people think the process of becoming Chas accredited can seem intimidating. Now, most businesses would look at an objection like this and try not to see it, right? They'd say, okay, Oh, this is a little bit awkward. Yeah, but maybe we just make sure maybe we just say this really easy, right? Maybe we just tell people, hey, do you know what? It's not intimidating. It's just really easy. We just dismiss that concern. Whereas Chas said, do you know what? No, okay, it is fairly, it is fairly intimidating. Fair enough. So we produced some content with them on step by step how to get accredited with Chas. Now, this might not sound like a particularly thrilling topic, but unless this objection is handled, and unless it's handled in a way that is found by people searching on Google, that person is not going to be signing up, right? If they have that objection and they can't get over it, they're not going to sign up. They will go elsewhere. So it's really important that we handle that objection. So over to you. What are the objections 
either silent or the ones that you hear about, which people might have, which would stop them from doing business with you? And how do you get that content in front of that target audience so that you can handle that objection and help them become a client or customer? Because if you don't do that, they won't become a client or customer. So there you have it. Some tips on how to market a boring business. Remember, it doesn't have to be boring. Some of our most fun campaigns, some of the most creative work we've ever done has been with what people on the outside would call boring businesses. So just because people might say it's boring doesn't mean the marketing needs to be boring. And the big bonus for you is that your competitors will be dull. They will be lifeless. They won't be trying to do anything interesting at all. So you're going to be stealing candy straight out of their mouths. Go get them, tiger. <laughs> and by the way, if you want some help with your digital marketing, whether or not you're boring, then you can request a free website and marketing review from the team here at Exposure Ninja. What you do, you go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review, fill in your details, and we'll ask you a whole bunch of questions about your business and your marketing. It takes three or four minutes to fill in the questionnaire. One of our team will then record you a 15 minute video if you qualify, uh, showing you how to generate more leads and sales through your website. They'll look at your competitors, they'll look at what you've done historically. And over the next six or 12 months, they'll map you out an action plan that you can follow. It's totally free. So go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review to request your free website and marketing review today. Hope you found this useful. If you have, subscribe. Do leave us a review as well in whatever podcast platform you're listening to and I'll see you next week.